As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey everybody, what's up and welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Little Fantasy Football in 15 DFS edition on this Friday, October 8th. Fantasy Football Podcast is presented by Visa, a network working for everyone. Michael Beller and Derek Van Riper here with you to talk through the DFS slate DVR. An interesting one here because we have no Chiefs, no Bills, no Rams, no Seahawks, all those teams playing in the primetime. We have two teams taking off the slate with the Thursday, or excuse me, with the London game as well. And, you know, Falcons and Jets aren't exactly uh, moving the needle for anyone, but uh, it's just another game that's off, so fewer options available. An interesting one for us to break down here today. Yeah, maybe less wide-ranging builds for this week, but a good mix of games, and I think... The key to this week to me is probably deciding right up front if you're going to pony up 9K on DraftKings for Derrick Henry. Yeah, I, I think that's probably uh, the, I mean, you have to, right? That's the first decision you have to make because that's really where the roadmap's going to flow from. Are you paying up for the guy who I think all of us would agree in a vacuum is the best DFS player to have this week with the Titans being four and a half point favorites against what's looking like a hapless Jaguars team, or are you going to cobble together that high level production elsewhere? And so that's really what we're looking at. We're also looking at the uh, highest scoring games of the week. We have the, the, uh, the top five games this week are the lowest scoring or lowest total games of the season to date, just three games, at least 50 or more. Those are Giants and Cowboys at 52, Packers and Bengals at 51, 49ers and Cardinals at 50. Then the next highest is the Lions and Vikings at 49. And with that being a 10-point spread, you figure the heavy lifting is going to be on the Viking side of things, almost like a Lions team that isn't going to contribute very many high-level players, even though it's the fourth highest total on the main slate. And then Titans and Jaguars, 
checking in at 48 and a half. My question to you, DVR, how much exposure are we wanting to Packers and Bengals? Because to me, that is the highest scoring game of the week. And I am including Chiefs and Bills. It at least has the ability to be in that same area with those teams having an over under a 56 and a half. Yeah, I think it's definitely a game that we're interested in. There's plenty of value on the Cincinnati side. I don't see the Packers secondary likely without Jair Alexander. If Alexander plays, I just can't imagine he's anywhere near 100% with that shoulder injury. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's a bad situation for the Green Bay defense losing their best all-round defensive player. I think the Bengals can exploit that. Obviously, they're getting a little healthier in that group of pass catchers. So this is a game that if it's not your primary stack, you're definitely going to have some kind of secondary stack, some kind of uh, two-player combo, you know, one of the pass catchers from Cincinnati, and then if you're paying up for Devontae Adams, if you're not mm-hmm. paying up for Henry, I couldn't really find an easy way to get both in, at least as of midday Friday. Uh, but I absolutely want something from this Packers-Bengals game because I think it could be it could be a game that gets up to 60. I, I'd, I, if I were betting over-under, which I'm, I'm not, um, I would bet the over in this game because I could see both these offenses thriving in this spot. It's the game I want to stack. I mean, we know what to expect mostly out of Burrow and Rodgers. You've got T. Higgins coming back healthy. That's already a thumbs up from Zach Taylor. Been practicing all week, mostly in a limited fashion, but he's going to be back after missing a couple of games with the shoulder injury. And all three of the Bengals receivers, meaning him, Tyler Boyd, and Jamar Chase, sub 6,000 on DraftKings. You've got Higgins at 5K. Boyd at 5300 and then Jamar Chase, the highest priced at 5800 I mean, it is just so easy. There's so many ways, DVR, where you can get any of those guys, plus Devontae Adams, and then I favor Joe Burrow, but you can go up to Aaron Rodgers as well. So Rodgers or Burrow, Adams and one of those Bengals receivers, it's really easy to fit those three players in your lineup. And personally, I prefer that as the core of my lineup versus filling things around in around Derrick Henry. So that's the way that I'm going. Is there, I mean, are you going with that Derrick Henry route? We said that it's probably the first question you have to answer. Is that the route you prefer to go? I think at least for cash games, it is. I think if you're trying to build for tournaments, the the way I would want to approach Packers-Bengals, if I'm only building a small number of lineups or just even one lineup and I want that exposure, Aaron Jones, I know he's got the bad ankle. If you're not paying up for Henry and you can afford to build around Jones as maybe your most expensive player with everybody being so interested in Adams and the passing games on both sides, at least going with Jones, you might get one of the less rostered top-end running backs in the pool this week. If this game does shoot out and the Packers put up 30-plus, it's not hard to see you know, 100 yards from scrimmage and a couple of touchdowns from Aaron Jones. We've seen even higher ceiling games than that from him. So I think from a tournament perspective, Aaron Jones is probably one of my better, less rostered players that I want to get to because of the way this game could play out. What do you think about DeAndre Swift? You know, actually, now that I'm looking up and down the running back ranks here, he's sitting at 6,100 on DraftKings. He's still dealing with the groin, but this has been something that's been lingering now, really going back to the end of the summer and a training camp, and he hasn't missed any time. It seems like it's just one of those things where he's going to be questionable, sort of the Julio Jones, right? He's got something nagging. He's questionable all week. He's limited practice all week, but there's really never any question that he actually plays. And like we said, I mean, this is the fourth highest total on the main slate DVR and nothing about what the Lions have done or are expected to do defensively would give you any indication that they're going to be able to slow down Minnesota on Sunday. And so if Detroit can, I mean, they don't even really need to keep up in this game. This could be something like 34-17, right? And they're still going to score a couple of touchdowns. They're still going to get yards. And we've seen the Lions thrive in some garbage time situations already this season. 
6100 on DeAndre Swift. That feels like, I mean, it's not, I don't want to say that's cheap. He's like 100 bucks more than uh, James Robinson. He's 100 bucks more than Chuba Hubbard, who still might be starting for the uh, Panthers. We'll see what the deal is with Christian McCaffrey. So it's not like he's a giveaway, but it does feel like a pretty nice price. He's someone who I wasn't really thinking about when we just started the show 10 minutes ago, who now I'm actually liking quite a bit. Yeah, Swift's going to be, I think, somewhat popular, probably even cash game viable as an RB2. He's sitting right there in the same price range as James Robinson at 6000 who's going to be very popular, too. I, I could see, you know, for people who don't want to pay up for Henry, but they want to get something from Jags Titans going with you know, A.J. Brown, maybe, as their most expensive receiver, and then James Robinson with the touches he's been getting that Jacksonville backfield going that way. If you're not playing Robinson because you're playing Henry and you want to go with the Jags pass catcher, then you're sitting in that 6K range with Swift as an option the game script should be fine. I mean, we like him more in situations where the Lions are chasing a lot, and I mm-hmm. think this is absolutely one of those situations with them being on the road playing against the Vikings. Uh, I would just say that based on what I'm looking at, I would love to look at the Roto Grinders projections for roster rates. He's supposed to be the fourth most popular running back, at least as of midday Friday. These things tend to change over the course of the weekend, so you just have to keep that in mind as you build out your lineup. You know, He's pretty chalky because of the price and, and the role. Uh, makes sense in this matchup. Cowboys Giants, you think that lives up to its billing as far as the scoring goes? 52, the over under as of Friday afternoon. The Cowboys have been favored by seven all week. That's been stubbornly stuck on seven. Maybe it's gone up or down half a point at times that I haven't seen, but every time I've looked at that spread, it's been at seven. I would expect it to be there come kickoff as well. So decent uh, implied totals for both teams. And we have seen some competence from the Giants, especially with Saquon Barkley back at, you know, what looks like certainly 100%. That's a game that it feels like it could live up to the billing. I would be a little bit concerned, though, about the Cowboys really running away with this one. I'm not sure that this is a, a an incredibly stackable game because I think the Cowboys are really just that good, DBR. Well, yeah, I like the Cowboys a lot, too, and, and I think the field right now is all over them. They think maybe the Giants are going to find a way to keep this game close and to, to let it shoot out to force Dallas to have to mm-hmm. go to the air often enough for Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb to be very productive. I think their prices relative to the, the quality of the Dallas offense are down enough where that's pulling people in. Lamb is 6,200, Cooper 6,100, both coming off of disappointing games from a volume perspective a week ago. Dalton Schultz has become more of a thing yeah. in these last couple of weeks. He's 4,400 over at tight end. How would you attack it? Like if if you were in a position where you had to play Dallas pass catchers, it mm-hmm. sounds like you're more on the fade side of this one, which is totally fine. Yeah. Would you actually trust Schultz at that price more than the receivers, or do you have a preference between Cooper or Lamb as your, your primary option from their passing game? Yeah, I'm going to the receivers. I, I mean, I, I like Dalton Schultz. I think he's a fine player. He, I think he's a he's someone who who fits in pretty nicely at the tight end position this week. If you're not going to pay up for Darren Waller, uh, but I, I still think the receivers are the way to go. And I think you you the way you phrased it was perfect. That their price relative to the overall value of the Cowboys offense just feels a little bit off with uh, with Lamb and Cooper. Lamb at 62 and uh, Cooper at 61. That's just a little low, and you can understand why it's come down a little bit, given uh, what we've seen from these guys uh, in recent games, most notably last week. But I just feel as though that is a little off in a game with an over/under of more than fifty. And then you take a look at Dak Prescott. Also, the price on him hasn't really come down that much. Sixty-nine hundred for him. So if he's gonna play at that sixty-nine hundred seven thousand dollar level, I just think we're gonna see a little bit more of both of those receivers and a little bit less of Dalton Schultz. That's the direction I would go, and I would go with one of those receivers. 
not a marked difference in their price, just 100 bucks. So I would lean toward Lamb uh, just because of uh, maybe sort of what we saw with Robert Woods on Thursday, squeaky wheel getting the grease. It's been a little while since we've seen a big CD Lamb game. I don't think there's really a wrong way to go, and I think that's a nice way to fill out your wide receiver position, getting those guys in the low sixes. Yeah, I'm, I'm more on the side of wanting to play Cowboys than to fade them uh, yeah. for what it's worth. I'm I think more fading like the stack. Game. I don't think this is a stackable yeah, game the yeah, way that yeah, Packers yeah. and Giant or Packers and uh, Bengals is. I like the Cowboys. I'm I'm a little scared off of the Giants. Okay, so rather than Dak plus you know two running it back with a Giant, you're more yeah. like one Cowboys pass catcher and maybe discounted Evan Ingram. I mean Evan Ingram, if you're looking to go cheap at tight end this week, 3200 could be the most rostered tight end that's obviously in play based on how he's been used his first couple games back I think it's back to back six target games so far Daniel Jones has looked competent you could see the volume get pushed a little bit so I understand why people are interested in Ingram looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 U.S. based live customer service from Discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The overall value at tight end this week is is really intriguing because you got Jared Cook at 3,600. People want to play him. Ricky Seals-Jones is only 2,500. He could function maybe as the number two pass catcher in the Washington offense. I mean, that's a that's a possibility yeah. with Logan Thomas out that Ricky Seals-Jones is that player. I don't think I'm comfortable enough with Taylor Heineke and what the Washington football team does to, to go that far down when there's other good value options right there. But if you want to pay up a little bit from that Ingram-Cook range, Mike Gesicki, yeah. 4,200. The way he's been used, you know, Jacoby Brissett, good enough to keep the offense functioning at a competent sort of level. It maybe even plus volume because I expect the Bucks to win this game easily. The line has been floating around ten points in that game. I got the Bucks going in Survivor as we talked about earlier this week. So I think Gasicki was the player that I liked the most value wise on the other side of whatever you want to do with Tampa Bay. Now I think we were talking before we started recording. Leonard Fournette is going to be popular this Very. week. He's even cheaper than Swift and Robbins. We talked about those guys at 6,100 and 6,000, respectively. Leonard Fournette's 5,200 in a game where the Bucks are double-digit favorites, coming off of a game in which he carried the ball 20 times mm-hmm. and was targeted five times. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> what, what has ever gone wrong with Leonard Fournette in a Bruce Arians backfield, right, once we trust him? I mean, what could possibly ever go wrong with a situation like that? He is going to be very popular, and I... I I don't know, there's something about him, like it's sort of like uh, what we saw Thursday night with Alex Collins. It just everyone's everyone's back in Alex Collins, and you know nothing really happens for him. Seventy-ish yards from scrimmage, no touchdown, and obviously Leonard Fournette's different. It's a different situation, and maybe Alex Collins does get that touchdown you're looking for if Russell Wilson doesn't miss as much time as he missed with that finger issue. But it's just. The narrative has swung so strongly in Fournette's direction that there's going to be so many people on him. And even at 5,200, I wonder if maybe you get a little leverage going away from that and hoping for some Tampa Bay hijinks, which we are used to seeing. Um, and really, the running back position is, I, like, I keep coming back to it because I'm not going to play Derrick Henry. I, I want to get that Bengals-Packers uh, stack, and it's affordable, but not to the extent that I can get Henry in there alongside 
Adams and Burrow and a Bengals receiver. So I'm not going to play Henry. So then I, I, you know, I start looking around here and, you know, something that jumps out at me is the game that on the main slate is the biggest game from an NFL standpoint, Chargers and Browns. And you have Austin Eckler, you have Nick Chubb, you've got Eckler at 76, you've got Chubb at 67. And I want to find exposure to one of those guys, DVR. That's actually, those are, these are two teams that, you know, with their reputation, you maybe think high scoring game, but the over-unders at 46 and a half, the Chargers have actually been an under team every game they've played this season. That includes a game against the Chiefs where the total was 54. They held the Chiefs to 24 points and that over-under ended up going off at 54 and a half. So they're the one team that the Chiefs have played where they've gone under. They are, they've been, their unders are four and oh the Chargers, and we think about them as this offensively driven team, and that's true to a certain extent in that they have so much talent on offense and they're an efficient offense, but they're not a team that's rolling up 30, 35 points every single week. 20 to 16 against Washington in week one, a 2017 loss to Dallas in week two, Dallas 2017, then that 30-24 game against the Chiefs in week three, and 28-14 against the Raiders a week ago, like this is an under game, I think. And so I look at those running backs and say that it's Eckler, it's Chubb, it's you know Kareem Hunt, the way that he factors in. Those are the ways I want exposure to that game. I don't really have much interest in the passing games in, those, in that one. Yeah, I think for me, I keep wondering if it's okay to play a guy like Eckler or Elvin Kamara or Christian McCaffrey when healthy in the same lineup where you play the other team's running back, if they might be exceptions because of how they're used as high-volume pass catchers in their respective offenses. Because from a a general lineup-building standpoint, running backs on opposite sides are a no-no. You wouldn't put Chubb and Eckler together in your head as a a base sort of stack. But maybe it is different because of the way Eckler functions. I'm definitely open to that sort of argument. I think... I've underestimated the Chargers defense. I think my little one-week fill-in on best on the board uh, really uh, turned into a a, a never-again scenario because <laughs> I made such terrible calls. I thought the Bucks were going to cover easily. Nope. thought the Monday night game, I agree with KC, it was going to go way over. Nope. Uh, so... And Christian Kirk, I think, had one catch last week. I thought he was going to go over 43 and a half yards easily. So a nice big 0-3 for me on the Friday best on the board last week. Listen to that show now that I'm not filling in for Beller because it's 10 times better with him than it is with me. Back to the Chargers thing, though. <laughs> I I think they they will be in some shootouts this year, but they're probably going to be protecting more leads than I realized. They're not yeah. going to be chasing nearly as often as I thought. So that does change some of my thinking about what I'm doing with this team on a week-to-week basis. And after the fantastic start, I mean, Mike Williams, one catch on four targets, 11 yards. I'm just curious what you're doing with him this week. Is he an easy avoid and just kind of wait and see until there's a better matchup before playing him again? Yeah, he's an avoid just because there's that's just not the that is not the game where I want to get involved with the passing games. It's it just isn't. And again, I I hate to keep you know sounding the same refrain, but I want like two of my receivers are going to be Devonte Adams and a Bengal. Right there, I've already got two receivers filled up, and two receivers that are going to cost me anywhere between you know low thirteen and and fourteen thousand dollars combined. So that third receiver probably has to be a relatively cheap guy for me. So it becomes even easier to stay away from Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Odell Beckham. Guys like that, and you know, I look at a couple of guys here, and I think we can wrap it up on on this thought with the uh, with the cheap players. Lavisca Chenault, forty eight hundred dollars, feels like maybe a nice little uh, bargain there, given that DJ Shark out for the season. Visca is going to be out there in most two wide receiver sets. Like him as a cheap guy, someone I didn't even think about until you brought up uh, Ricky Seals Jones. 
Curtis Samuel's $3,000. Curtis Samuel is as cheap as it gets. And last week, you know, his first game off of IR, four catches, 19 yards. And I think we can give him a pass for, you know, needing a little bit of time to work in after. I mean, he barely really even got anything going in the summer, DVR, with uh, with the injuries that he had to deal with in training camp. So this was his first game action in, in quite a while. But I think he's probably the second pass catcher in that Washington offense as soon as this week. And so at $3,000, that could really open some things up and then I could throw it over to the quarterback position too again I am playing I'm almost especially in cash Joe Burrow Aaron Rodgers those are my guys and really probably Burrow because of the $6,100 price tag you got Justin Fields at $5,200 cemented as the starter for the Bears you've got Trey Lance $5,700 I believe we still don't have an official word on Jimmy Garoppolo but it's as close to official without being official that Trey Lance is going to get the start in this game against Arizona both of those guys probably more tournament plays but open some things up if you go Fields or Trey Lance yeah I think Lance might actually end up getting into some cash game lineups because of the rushing floor I think when you get quarterbacks like that under 6k that just opens up so many other interesting possibilities because if you're going to give them 40 or 50 rushing yards. I mean, starting with four or five points, it doesn't have to be that good through the air to make value at that price. I look at that and I say, is it really not worth it to just pay an extra 300 for Daniel Jones? You've got a lot more right. proof. You've got a, a clear chasing situation. San Francisco's game plan could be a lot different with Trey Lance. They could try to find ways to run the ball more effectively and, and not put as much pressure on him through the air. I just think there's a few ways you could be disappointed by Trey Lance. I'm not talking people out of playing him. I'm just saying... I'm not as excited about him as the field appears to be. Um, I think yeah, saving a little money at quarterback this week is possible if you look in the right places. I think the highest I would pay up, at least based on the builds that I've made so far, probably Dak Prescott, who we talked about mm-hmm. earlier, at 6900 in some builds. Uh, the Curtis Samuel point, I think as long as he's cleared on Sunday, I mean, it sounds like he's trending in the right direction as of midday Friday, should be out there again. He's the reason why I wouldn't go down to Ricky Seals-Jones at 2500 because 3K on Curtis Samuel, mm-hmm. if he gets six or seven targets and turns that into 12 or 15 points, you are thrilled at that price point with that sort of output. Uh, not a matchup that you love, but the price and the role are absolutely right for him. So I'm in on Curtis Samuel this week as long as we get the green light on Sunday morning. Let's do it, man. Let's just let's just buy into Curtis Samuel. There's that sweet video making the rounds of him and DJ Moore uh, still doing their like pregame hug with each other, even though they're not on the same team anymore. It's like there's just there's good vibes around Curtis Samuel this week. So I think uh, you you and I are in a, a pentathlon five leg fantasy and uh, against the spread picking contest in which one of them is a DFS uh, lineup every single week, and we add it up, keep cumulative standings over the season and. You're going to see, I'm saying it right now, mark it down. You're going to see Curtis Samuel in my lineup when you're looking at those on Sunday. Of course, assuming that he gets the go-ahead. Hopefully you got good vibes from this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast as well. Still not an athletic subscriber? You can get yourself 50% off athletic.com slash fantasyfootballpod. And that one finally is running out soon. Just about a week and a half to get in on that 50% deal. So do it while you still can. For Derek Van Riper. I am Michael Beller. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Good luck this weekend. Have a good weekend. Let's all go out there, get whatever sort of W's we're looking for in the fantasy world, and we'll talk to you next week. 